Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah 57 to start off with. Why, that was awesome. What a, that, that live music definitely is going to take us to a new level in this ministry. It's just yet another key to what God's going to be doing here at RCC and in this city. Amen? Isaiah 57, let's look at uh, verse 15. And it says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive, say revive, revive. the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now flip over to Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 5. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness, uh, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around, and see. They, they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Hallelujah. Today, I want to talk about the characteristics of revival. What, what are the characteristics of revival? I mean, we throw this word around, revival, around a lot, and maybe there's people in here listening to me on the radio, internet, whatever. You have no clue. It's, it's foreign to you. What in the world is revival, and how do we know if it's here? I want to talk about that. Now listen, in my one of my study books, I, maybe it was Vines, the word revival defined in there simply means this, a renewed zeal to worship and obey God. That's revival. A renewed zeal to worship and obey God. Now I looked, now, then I turned and I looked at the word revive. What does the word revive mean? It means this, to restore to consciousness or life. Now I want you to notice something, that these two words, revival and revive, that these are words that apply to your personal life or walk as a Christian. It, it applies to your personal walk as a Christian. In other words, revival and to be revived, it begins on the inside of each person. Are you hearing me? See, we need a revival when reading and hearing God's word becomes boring to us. We need a revival when we think praising and worshiping God seems boring. 
We need a revival when we've forsaken the Lord Jesus Christ for the trash that this world has to offer. The church of Jesus Christ needs a revival when they're willing to sell out for economic issues rather than the sanctity of life and other moral issues. We need a revival when our spiritual priorities are totally out of whack and out of order. Simply put, we need a revival when our desires and priorities don't line up with God's desires or priorities. And, my friend, that begins in the si- inside of you, inside of your heart. Now, now, you will hear us say revival in an area. We can also use those terms in a corporate sense, revival. Uh, meaning a revival that starts in a, in a local church, a revival that starts in a city, a revival that starts in a specific area. But I, want, I wanted to just point out that the core meaning of revival and revive deals with your personal life, with your personal walk as a Christian. Now, it's interesting, the word revive. I just, when I read the definition to the word revive, I mean, something just, whoa, popped on the inside of me. To restore to consciousness. And, and it just made me think how many Christians are walking in a fog. How many Christians are spiritually lethargic and not aware of what God's wanting to do? Are you, you know what I'm saying? They've gotten off track spiritually. I just like that definition. Go to Joel chapter 2. I want to show you something here. Joel chapter 2. Get that water here. Someone turned off the humidifier or something. I don't know. Does this place even have a humidifier? I don't know. I just preach here. All right. Joel chapter 2, 28 through 32. It's a very popular passage. I want to point something out. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit, the Holy Spirit, on all flesh. Your sons, and this is God speaking, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We're in those days, if you didn't know that. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that who, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, on the name of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now, God said that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. We just read that, right? But I want to say this. That in itself will not spark a revival. Let me say that again. God said he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh, but that in itself is not going to spark a revival. Well, what are you talking about? The real question is this that I want to point out. How will we respond when the Holy Spirit's poured out upon you? See, 
it, in itself, the Holy Spirit being poured out, that's not going to kick it off. It's how we respond to the Holy Spirit when he is poured out. It's our personal response that matters. Let me read something here. This is the prophecy the Lord gave me on September 17, 2005, two years ago. Uh, at 5 a.m. in the morning, he woke me up, and, and I just knew this was coming to my spirit, and I wrote it down. It says, prepare yourself and the people, for there shall be a visitation of my spirit that you or your people have not seen thus far. For mighty miracles, signs, and wonders shall take place in the midst of the congregation as they lift up and exalt my son Jesus, my holy written word, and seek my face, or a personal walk with him. Many shall come from afar and taste and see that the Lord is good and that he dwells among and within his people. Now listen, this is the point I want to get at. I'm talking about your response to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is what matters. He said, it went on to say this, prepare your vessels for this move of my spirit. It shall take place suddenly and last, here it is, last as long as I am feared or reverenced in your midst. And in your personal life, harden not your hearts. Prepare the way for this move of my spirit shall exceed even the desire and expectations. My word shall be confirmed with power in this place. In the prophetic word. And I'm telling you, I know that I know this was given by the Holy Spirit to me. I know it's been confirmed it's been confirmed several multitudes of times, including by a well-known uh, prophet of God, Rodney Howard Brown, down in Jacksonville, Florida. I know that I know this thing is going to come to pass, and we are right on the brink Amen. of this thing coming. If you can't sense something in the air, you, my friend, may be the one who needs to be revived. You need to be brought back to consciousness and, and understand what the Lord's getting ready to do. Amen? Now, I mean, so it's our response to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is what counts. I've known people that were praying for revival, praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord begins to do it, and they end up leaving a church because it wasn't what they expected. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about our response to when it does happen. I mean, we, we got a very small taste of it here at RCC back in May of what God's wanting to do on a larger scale. And when that happened, all hell broke loose. Are you hearing me? All hell broke loose. That period of time, after I got back from Rodney Howard Brown's meeting in Jacksonville, that was, I know for a fact since I've been here in this ministry, that was the most fruitful time we have ever seen in this since I've been here. And I had several people who've been in this ministry for almost the whole length of 20 years that it's been here who said it was the biggest time of harvest we've ever seen of people coming to the altar, getting saved, getting filled with the Spirit of God, seeing awesome miracles take place. But it was just the beginning. It was, this was my point. It was the most fruitful time quite possibly in the whole entire 20 years of this ministry. What are you going to do when the Holy Spirit begins to pour out and it doesn't fit what you think a revival should be? Are you hearing me? 
Because when the fire of God falls, you will either embrace it or you're going to run. What one are you going to... I'm just giving you food for thought right now so you can think. So when things begin to happen, you're not quick to run, to judge. And I'm telling you, I, this is a word from the Spirit of God. When the fire of God falls, you're either going to embrace it, take hold of it, or you're going to run. You're going to run away. So how do we know? How, how will we know when this revival begins? What will it look like? Now, uh, you know, of course, we can't begin. We can't even begin to comprehend the fullness of what God wants to do. All I know is it's something big. But, but what I want to do is I want to give you just a few basic points. Just a few basic, say basic, points of things to look for when this thing begins to happen. How are we going to know it? So I believe these things are, are for, the Lord has given me to share with you today. So I want to give you these basic points so you'll be able to recognize when God is pouring out his spirit so you can flow with the Holy Spirit and not push against him. Amen? All right. Let's start with this now. The first characteristic of revival, personally and corporately as a body, the first characteristic of revival is that there will be massive, widespread evangelism taking place. That's the, that, I mean, that is like so revival 101. That is so, so 101. There will be massive, widespread evangelism taking place. In Joel 2, Joel 2 said that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Did you catch that? I want you to notice it just didn't say, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon my people. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon just Christians. I mean, did I read that wrong? All right. The Holy Spirit, when, when this move starts, the Holy Spirit is, is going to convict unbelievers uh, in, in, in a greater way. I, I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be so noticeable. People you never thought who, who would be touched by the Lord are going to end up running to the altar in tears saying, what must I do to be saved? I mean, there's just, there's just a, um, it's elevated. The evangelist, I mean, it's just elevated. It, it's something that's undeniable, and in, in, that's one point. So the Holy Spirit is going to convict unbelievers. He does that now, but it's going to be on a greater level when his manifest glory and presence begins to manifest. There is just a greater level. You don't understand it? Okay, just tuck it in your bank. Trust me, when it comes to pass, you'll know what I'm talking about. So, um, it, you know, and, and backsliders uh, will be convicted of their sin in a greater way. They won't be able to come into a building where the manifest glory of God is without that conviction. Are, are you hearing me? Yeah. I mean, come on, we know. There's times when, when someone who, who's, who's, you know, they're, they're a sinner, they're good at it, they can come into church, there's absolutely no conviction, and they can walk right out, and they go back, and they continue doing it. But I'm telling you, in a revival, when this thing happens... Uh-uh. When they have an encounter with the manifest glory and presence of God, they, they can't run. Are you hearing me? So, God's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, all right? The unbeliever, number one. On the other side of the same coin, the Holy Spirit motivates Christians to tell others about Jesus in a greater way. I mean, 
you know, I mean, we should be doing that anyways. But how many of you know that's why we need reviving? Huh? Get to that in a moment. See, when there is a heartfelt desire to see the lost saved and, and action being taken, that is the Holy Spirit working in your life. When you can come to the point, and when this revival happens, you, you'll have such a, a drive, a, a hunger, a desire. I'm prophesying this right now. That you won't be able, the lost loved ones, the, the friends who are un, unbelievers who are lost, people who come in here, you're going to literally weep for them. Tears will come down your eyes. There's going to be a greater reality of eternity. There's going to be a greater reality of hell, that there is a literal hell. It's real, and it's for eternity in the lake of fire. Are you hearing me? And so we as Christians need to be ready to reap this harvest. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on Pentecost, Peter stood up in front of a huge crowd of people and he began to preach. He began to teach. He began to testify about the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember that? Well, let me tell you this. Another characteristic. Peter... This was not a planned sermon that Peter had. He didn't prepare for this sermon, this message for, for five days straight or for a whole week or two. No, this was given by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost at, the split, at a split second. Some of the most powerful times of my preaching is when it's not in my notes, but i am just got the unction to say something. And, and that's when, man, powerful. Are you hearing me? Or when you're witnessing to somebody. You'll be in the gas station. Someone comes up. The Holy Spirit quickens you to talk to someone about him. Or give you a word of knowledge and talks to, to talk to someone. My friend, that is more powerful than a, a man-made sermon. Are you hearing me? This is, that's going to be another fruit is that there's going to just be off-the-cuff inspiration by the Holy Spirit in a greater dimension. Greater level. So it wasn't planned. Go to Acts chapter 2. I want to show you this here. Something else. We need a reviving, don't we? Acts 2, 37 through 41 I want to look at here. Now, when they, now just back this up. Peter, he's, he just got done... Uh, testifying about Jesus. He just got done telling this huge crowd about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's just been poured out and he just got up testifying by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Man, it was a rhema word that came to him and he just gets up and he just starts speaking this thing. People are caught in the heart. They're, and, they're, and they go on to say this. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Because it was so powerful and anointed what Peter was saying. People were compelled to, and, and drawn close to, to Jesus and, and right to the edge. And they said, all right, I want him. I want to make Jesus, this Jesus you're talking about, I want to make him Lord of my life now. What must we do? Oh, I love it. Then Peter said to them, repent 
And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Listen to this. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them. Man, the Holy Spirit wasn't letting go of Peter. The Holy Spirit kept giving him this inspiration and words to speak. And exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Oh, that's a message that needs to be heard today, isn't it? Back when the Holy Ghost was first poured out, and nowadays, oh man, I say the same thing. Be saved, be delivered from this perverse generation that we're living in. Verse 41, then those who gladly, say gladly, those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 people were saved and baptized from that one Holy Spirit encounter. Friends, there was a revival going on. Oh, I love it. Some of the most anointed. I, I, just, I just long to have just that inspiration of the Holy Spirit because that's, I'll tell you, that's where the power, when, when, when you witness, I'm telling you, here is the word for today. Some of you are afraid to witness to people because you don't know what, you're, what to say, you don't know what to say, and you're bound with fear. What you need to do is trust the Holy Spirit. You need to put yourself in that position, that confrontation with that person, and just trust the Holy Spirit. He will give you the words. It's kind of that thing you ever seen in on, on Indiana Jones, where he, there was no bridge there, but it was, it was a faith thing. He had to step out, and when his foot went down, that's when this brick was there to hold him up. Same thing. Many of us want the answer before we go and do it. You need to put yourself in the position. Start talking to them about Jesus. That's when the Holy Spirit will kick you into overdrive. Amen? That get, uh, come on. Take hold of that. All right. So when the Holy Spirit's being poured out on a person, on a church, on a city, on a region, Christians will have a deep desire to win the lost. And multitudes, say multitudes, will make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. The unsaved will come to a place where the Spirit's being poured out. They will come to that place and they will see the living water of the Holy Spirit springing up out of you as a Christian. And it will make them thirsty for it. And that's when they'll say, like they said to Peter, what must we do? i got to have a drink of this. And if that is not happening in our midst, if that's not happening in your personal life, there is no revival, there is no move of God taking place. Period. Period. All right? All right, now, uh, let's see here. The next characteristic of revival that I want to share with you is that there will be supernatural unity among believers. There will be a supernatural unity among believers. I want to show, go to Acts 2.42. Show you something here. This is after, remember, this is after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And they, 
the Christians, believers, believers, say believers. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, I know we've kind of watered down the word fellowship in the church today. But this word that's translated fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. This is not just your usual acquaintance thing. How you doing? Great, brother. Okay, yeah, see ya. See you in a week. No, 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 no. This is a supernatural unity. The word koinonia means unity, close association, a partnership, a society. That's what the word koinonia means. I'm telling you, this is talking about a supernatural union or unity among believers. And when that revival broke out, there was a longing for closer fellowship with believers. There, there was none of this junk of, of pulling away from people, being a lone ranger. Uh-uh. No, no, no. If that's going on, revival's not happening in your heart, my friend. If that's not happening in, in a church, revival is not happening in that ministry. Are you hearing me? There was a longing. Everyone, everyone wanted to do their part. People wanted to use their giftings. They didn't sit on them. They wanted that fellowship. They came together, it says breaking of bread. Uh, that's eating. They come together for prayers. That's corporate prayer. Sound familiar? And now, that supernatural unity, this must mean then that believers were vulnerable to each other. Say vulnerable. They were vulnerable to each other. They gave each other access into each other's life, lives. How many times, I mean, you can go up to a person and, and you really feel like you, need, you see someone in a sin or something, and you go up to them and, and you might say something and, and they get all offended. Well, mind your own business. Mm -mm. That's not the way it should be. We ought to give each other access into each other's lives. Are you hearing me? The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. We can't do it alone. Amen? So they gave each other access in their lives. The gossip and backbiting stopped for the most part. And that's another fruit of revival. Are you hearing me? Go to Acts chapter 4. I want to look at 32 through 35. Acts 4, 32 through 35. I just really feel that this is a message that I mean, we are so close to this thing happening, and, and, and this is the, man, this is a preparation thing. Come on now. So, so none of you can walk away when this happens and say, man, you didn't tell me it was going to be like this. <laughs> you didn't tell me that this outpouring, that radical things were going to happen like this. Are you hearing me? Acts uh, 4, 32 through 35 says this, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of their things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. 
And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Hallelujah. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were, that were sold. Now, come on. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit to do that now. I'm not saying go sell your house right now and all that. I'm not telling you that. They were led by the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is they filled in the lack where someone had, had a need. Are you hearing me? And laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. All right. So it, Christians, it said, were of one heart, one soul. There was unity among each other. There was compassion among each other. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. This is good stuff. Now, another characteristic of revival is that there will be great manifestations of power, great manifestations of grace, great manifestations of miracles, signs, and wonders. Friend, if you're in this place or listening to me right now and you don't, you don't believe God, that, the, that miracle signs, and wonders happen today, you've been bewitched. You're deceived because God is still in the business of healing. God's still in the business of doing miracle signs and wonders. I'm telling you, hallelujah, nothing is impossible with God. And that's when a revival hits. This is one of the fruits. It's like the floodgates open. That's when you really have, uh, you really see it. You have the reality of it that, man, nothing is impossible with God. In, 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 in uh, future services, I'm going to talk about things that happen at Azusa Street. Jan just gave me an awesome book that talk about things that happen. I mean, creative miracles. People come in to, to meetings, their arms were chopped off. They prayed for them, and arms grew. New arms grew right there instantly. Ears, eyes. <laughs> I'm telling you. Take off every limitation you've put on God and throw it in your closet right now. Uh, check it at the door when you come into this building. We don't want your unbelief. Are you hearing me? We want you, but we don't want your unbelief. Leave it outside. Because I believe that nothing is impossible with God. Acts 4.33. So there's great manifestations of power. Great manifestations of grace, miracles, signs, and wonders. Uh, Acts 4.33, just read it. It says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, great unmerited favor, great equipping by the Holy Spirit was upon them all. Now go, to, uh, go back to Acts 4.13 and 14. I want to show you something here. Hallelujah. I like this. Acts 4, 13 and 14. Now, when they saw, when, when the enemies of this move, when the Pharisees, when, when the, the hard-hearted religious people, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized, their enemies realized that they have been with Jesus and seen the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. When a revival hits, your enemies are shut up. Peter, Peter 
uh, prayed over a, a, a lame man. The lame man was healed. And these, so they were arrested. They were brought in front of the, the hardened religious people. And they're telling them, you, you stop doing these things in the name of Jesus. Stop talking about that Jesus. Well, when they came in front, there was such an anointing on, on, on these guys, on Peter and John. There was such an anointing, these, it was undeniable that these men were, had been spending time with Jesus. And we don't, don't think that we can't because obviously Jesus is in heaven right now. But friend, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is on this earth. And if you're a Christian, he lives in you. If you're baptized with him, he's endued you with power. And we have that same opportunity to fellowship and be with Jesus, to be trained by him Amen. through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, and it says after they were he that guy was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Oh, I like that. See, there is a supernatural grace and equipping. Manifestations of healing when a revival hits. Manifestations of healings and miracles. They, they, they will seem to come easy and effortlessly. Uh, prayers will, will be answered instantly. In some cases, I'm telling you. I, oh, we're, get, we're getting ready to see this. Things are just going to come easy. But I want you to notice here that because this is still in the period of time when the revival, after the revival broke out, and it says that they perceive that they've been with Jesus. If you really want to be used by God, you want to be part of this revival that's going to happen? It takes a personal relationship with Jesus. Not just making him an acquaintance in your life. It means that you're really seeking him. That you really want to get to know him more. And Paul, the apostle Paul understood that when he prayed for the new Christians at Ephesus. Praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation would, become, would come upon you. That you would know, know him. That you know him, know God, know the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need that personal walk with him. Amen? Go to Acts 8. Acts 8. I'm telling you, I'm not just blowing smoke up here. I know that I know this thing's going to happen. I mean, there's really nothing in the natural that point to this thing. But I'm telling you, it's a fa I just know on the inside. I know that I know that I know. And it's confirmed through other ministers that I meet with. I mean, it's just in... Trust me, there's just a multitude of, of evidence that the Lord's getting ready to break forth here. Acts 8, 5 through 8 says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, demons, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Great joy. That's another manifestation. There will be great joy. And now, so the gifts of the Spirit will be extremely active on a regular basis when a, when a revival breaks out. On a, I mean, just regular basis. It won't be just... 
uh, every couple weeks, you know, some has a prophecy, someone has a tongue and a No, no, no. This is going to be a regular thing. All right? There will be an increase of angelic activity in that area where the revival is taking place. There will be an absolute, I've, we've noticed it, there is an absolute increase in, in I know in this ministry, uh, in, 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 in the, this area, there is an absolute increase of angelic uh, angelic activity uh great stuff uh the manifest glory of god will be seen and felt tangibly i'm telling you we got a taste of it we got a taste of it back in may i want to caution you there's going to be some strange things taking place remember when philip philip it says was caught away and he was found somewhere else. Literally, the Holy Spirit moved him to another location supernaturally. I know it sounds Star Trek-ish, but I'm telling you what. Where do you think Star Trek got the idea? Huh? The Holy Spirit can do anything. With God, all things are possible. This is Bible stuff. I know it sounds wild. I'm cautioning you. Listen to this. It says this, God said this, My glory dwells in you, in my people, in earthen vessels, but shall also be manifested tangibly, seen, feeling, by all who will come to this place. This was specifically for our ministry, but I've taken it for the whole area. Just as the cloud led the children of Israel by day and the fire by night, my tangible presence shall do exploits in your midst, saith the Lord, Many, he went on to say this, many shall come and be blessed and say, we have seen strange things in this place. My word shall be confirmed with power in this visitation. People, don't say I didn't warn you. When the revival hits, there is literally a collision and a confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. You, we're going to see more power encounters. People who come in here possessed with demons, those demons are going to manifest in the people. They're not going to be able to stay seated. I, I'm telling you, there is, oh, there is a, there's a collision between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Now, because of all these things coming to pass, leads me into my next point. Another characteristic of revival is that there will be great persecution. There, I mean, tremendous, great, say great, great persecution. I was just reading another book I have on the Azusa Street Revival, and one of the things that was quite common, I was a biography on the whole thing, it said that many of the preachers in, in the Los Angeles area where this outpouring was taking place, Many of the preachers warned their people not to go to that Azusa Street revival because it was of the devil. There was great persecution. And this is why I'm saying this. Don't think it when God starts to move, if your heart isn't right, you might not be able to see it. Are you hearing me? Preachers of Christian churches... In Los Angeles in 1906, in the length, the three-year length, four-year length of that revival, 
told their people from the pulpit, don't go to that church because things are happening from the, from the enemy. The fact was multitudes were, were getting saved from an eternity of hell, making Jesus Lord of their life. Many were being filled with the Spirit of God. Many were being healed. Many were being delivered from Satan. Are you hearing me? Not everyone will embrace revival in the body of Christ. And because of that, there will be great persecution. And of course, Satan and evil spirits will do everything they can to cut off this revival. Are you hearing me? How many of you Christians want to partner with the devil? Good. But sadly to say, some do. They're fighting against God rather than moving with him. And I'm saying right now, this thing hasn't even started. And those of you who might have a problem with it, now's the time to repent. Now's the time to change your heart before the outpouring starts. Oh, I feel that by the Holy Spirit right now. You ever had an attitude against supernatural things of the Spirit of God? If you ever had an attitude against uh, divine healing, you ever had an attitude against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you ever had an attitude against tongues, have you ever had an attitude of, of the holiness message? Have you ever had an attitude against whatever? Now's the time to change, and I'll tell you why on my last point. So some persecution will come from unbelievers. Sadly to say, some will call from, come from within. Uh, Christians, the body of Christ as a whole, not just at Revival Christian Center. I hope all of you here at Revival Christian Center flow with it. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. So just be prepared for great persecution. Uh, joy and the fear of the Lord. I touched on that a minute ago when Philip preached at Samaria, mighty miracle signs and wonders, people getting born again, saved. It said there was great joy in that city. Let me tell you this. God is not against you and I being joyful. He's not against it. In fact, for some strange reason, when God shows up on the scene, you get happy. You get joyful. Go figure. So don't be surprised. I know a lot of people had a problem with Rodney Howard Brown. Guys, that's the Holy Spirit moving. I'm telling that is the Spirit of God. Because I'm just telling you, when God shows up, when His glory manifests... Uh, there's joy in it. Okay, there's joy in it, if, it when you're right with God. Let, let's put it that way. You can infer the other, the opposite. Are you hearing me? The fear of the Lord falls upon a city. The Word of God says that the fear of the Lord came upon people when, when the, these outpourings began. Sin stops for the most part. I mean, there, there's just a, there's, there's, there's a, a greater reality of the deception of sin. There's a greater reality. Let me say that again. There's a greater reality of the deception of sin. Sin is deceiving. Did you know that? I mean, if you had any clue what sin does, how it keeps you away from, from God, from your heavenly Father. It puts a, a, a wall over top of you. You can't seem to break through and you, you live in depression. You live in heaviness. You live in fear. You live in... Sin is deceiving. It is absolutely deceiving. So when this comes, the fear of the Lord falls on people, and there's a greater realization of that. 
There's a greater hatred of that which would keep you away from God. Hence, sin. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Here's the deal. Here's my last, my last point here that I want to close with. And this is so crucial, people. This is so crucial. And this is why I... I my last point why I set out... If you had a problem, now's the time to, to turn before this thing hits. Because another characteristic of revival is that there is greater judgment and there is a greater responsibility toward you, the Christian, when an outpouring begins. Brother Jack over here, when we, he always says it, and my goodness, he is absolutely 100% right on. He says... When the glory of God comes, the judgment of God comes also. Because when the glory comes, when His manifest presence comes, when His Spirit's being poured out, friends, sin. If you're tasting of the good presence of the Lord and you still refuse to turn from your sin, there's nothing left but judgment. Are you hearing me? And let me give you some scripture on this. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Go to Acts chapter 5, verse 1. This is scriptural, guys. This is not just, oh, Pastor James, you're being a doomer and gloomer. I'm telling you, there's greater judgment and greater responsibility on us as Christians. Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the apostles but ultimately, they lied to the Holy Spirit about their offering because greed crept into their hearts. Let's read this, Acts 5, 1 through 5. But a certain man, a man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. So they sold land or they sold a house or something. And he, he kept back part of the proceeds Kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they brought a little bit of it, but not everything that they vowed to. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? So Peter here got a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit said, these people are lying to you. Verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. This brings another important part about authority structure in the body of Christ. Even, even to the point of when, when in... Uh, when Paul got kicked off his high horse in Acts 9, Jesus said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Paul was persecuting the Christians, right? But Jesus took it personally. He said, you're persecuting my people, you're persecuting me. Same here. Didn't they, they just lied to the apostles, but God said, no, you're lying to me. Verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. 
So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Friends, I, I got to say this too. It was brought to my remembrance. Jack, we were talking about this too. It just Holy Spirit brought it to my remembrance. The signs and wonders that are going to take place, they're not all positive signs and wonders. How many of you know this is a sign? Ananias and Sapphira. It's a wonder. How many of you know when that happened, people were like, they were standing in awe and wonder like, what in the heck is going on? Are you hearing me? Amen. Now, so I want to encourage each one of you to deal with the dark places of your life and of your heart right now. Right now. Because if you don't, when the glory of God, when the power of God manifests, if your heart is hardened, then you may be inviting greater judgment upon yourself. Are you hearing me? Especially if you don't respond to him when it comes. Are you hearing me? Now, Ananias and Sapphira, I believe this. Come on. Now, listen. They had time to repent. They conceived this thing. I don't think it was just off the cuff. They just showed up and said, honey, before they walked in the door, honey, let, let's just put this down and we'll keep the rest. No, I, they calculated it. Are you hearing me? They knew exactly what they were doing. They had time to repent. And they willfully went on and did it. And judgment came. Are you hearing me? So, uh, but don't let it be said of you. Deal with your heart issues today. Obey God. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Realize that you came into this earth with nothing. Are you hearing me? You came into this earth naked. I know I did. Did you? Everything we have, we need to honor the Lord with everything we have. Now, I'm not just talking about finances. That's included. But everything we have, we need to honor God with it. And guys, when he, you honor him with it, he'll honor you. Now I want to close by reading Isaiah 60 again. I want this just to soak in because guys, we're getting ready to see the greatest move of God that this area, truly, that the whole earth, the move of God that's going to happen on the whole earth that has ever happened in history. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to your brightness of your rising. The Lord's gonna, he, he's gonna have, you, you know, you have divine appointments that need to come to pass. There's divine appointments. There's people in your life that you, you're appointed to come across. Are you hearing me? Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather, they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Those of you who have, who have sons and daughters who are straying from the truth right now, you're going to see them come back to the Lord. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. And here, 
I believe this is going to happen too. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. There's going to be a transference. Are you hearing me? How many of you need a bank transfer? Oh, you liars. Lift your hands. I know we all. Come on now. But I'm warning you, when it happens, don't put that at the priority of your life. Use everything God gives to you to honor him. So when there's a revival taking place, you'll see massive, widespread evangelism. There will be supernatural unity among us, among believers. There will be great manifestations of power, grace, miracles, signs, and wonders. There will be great joy and the fear of the Lord upon us all. There will be great persecution. And there is greater judgment and responsibility toward the believers. Guys, it's my mission as your pastor to prepare you the best I know how with the help of the Holy Spirit. And it should be your mission to seek and pursue God with your whole heart and to use everything, your gifts and talents for Him, to honor Him. Let's labor together to help usher in this last great move of the Spirit of God. So let's stand in this place and together we say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Oh, hallelujah, we're right on the edge. Glory to God. Now maybe there's someone in here, you're not a child of God. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Friend, your works, anything apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, your works are dead. They're, They're leading you nowhere. The fact is you could do all the good works in the world and without Christ, when you take your last breath, you're you're in hell for eternity. It's Jesus Christ. Have you made him Lord of your life? Do you believe he's the son of God? Do you believe that he shed his blood on a cross? Do you believe he literally died? Do you believe that God, the the Holy Spirit, literally raised him from the dead? He is alive right now. Do you believe that? If you never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come to this altar and I want to pray with you. Let's settle it today. Let's give you a new birthday. The born again experience. Don't leave this building without making him Lord of your life. Because the fact is you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. And you're playing Russian roulette with your life. Next, maybe you're in here you made the made Jesus Lord of your life a long time ago but frankly right now there's no evidence in your life there's no fruit of that and you know you've fallen away from him and today you want to rededicate your life to him today you need to rededicate to him you need to say Lord today I'm with you I repent of the things the evil things in my heart Are you ready to lay it all down before the Lord Jesus Christ today? Friends, that's the meaning of a disciple. You're laying everything at his feet. Are you hearing me? Next, maybe you're a Christian, you love the Lord, but you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism today, I want you I want to pray with you. I want you to come forward. Maybe you need a healing in your physical body. You just need someone to in, in your emotions. You need someone just to pray with you and stand with you in agreement. Those four things, I want you to come to this altar right now. The rest of you, worship the Lord. And think about the areas of your life that you need to change. 
to be able to really jump in the river of God in this move of the Spirit that He's getting ready to pour out. Worship the Lord. Hallelujah.
God, the river of God is getting ready to come down. How many of you truly believe that? Lift your hand. Do you truly believe what we're saying? I, I'm telling you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's it. That's it. All right. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, before I let you go, I just have a couple of announcements here. Um, we need back, uh, some people have, have borrowed some of the DVDs, the John Bevere and, and Rodney Howard Brown, I think, is missing too. Whoever has those, if you could bring them back, um, we need to have them here. There's a pastor in Baldwin who wants to borrow. I think it's the Driven by Eternity, John Bevere. We're missing three of them. So whoever that is, if you could just bring them back, there's a pastor in Baldwin who I'm uh, getting to know would like to borrow that series. So also, the Holy Spirit has really laid it upon my heart for the leaders the leadership of RCC for me to have weekly leadership meetings. And this is going to be leadership. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.